0: We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And because it's almost summer, that means you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. My personal favorites are the Holbrooks, just a clean, classic look. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that you ask? It's proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do. So head over to oakley.com and do your research while you're there. Get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands and can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to Oakley.com for more information today. Oh,
1: it's Davis, four, three in the win. Oh, it's 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh,
0: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers. As you can see, I am still currently traveling. Actually, by the time most of you are watching this or listening to this, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be back in studio, back in my normal setup. But uh, we'll see. You never know with flights these days. But right now, I am currently in South Carolina enjoying some time with family, but did want to jump on here for a quick Lakers Nation podcast. I know. We're expecting it on a Monday like today. So let's get into a few different topics. I want to talk about the draft a little bit. I want to talk about Anthony Davis, what his true role is with the Lakers for next season and what that's going to mean for the roster build. But before I get into all of that, first and foremost, I want to thank all of you guys who have given us reviews lately over on Apple Podcasts, that five-star rating and review. It's a great way to help out the show. And so truly appreciate all of you who have done that. Again, it takes you about 20 seconds to do it over on Apple Podcasts. And then if you're not doing so uh, yet, make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. YouTube.com slash Lakers Nation. In fact, if that's where you're watching this show right now, do me a favor. Hit that like button. Help us out. Great way to get the show out there that much more in the YouTube algo. All right. Plenty to talk about. And before I get into any of the specific topics for today, A little disclaimer here about the offseason in general. One of the things that I love about the offseason is all the rumors. I love it. I love all the different possibilities and, and everything. But here's the key. You have to be able to take them as just that, as rumors. Don't take everything you hear as fact. And you also have to be able to dig a little bit deeper. Because let's face it, we know that there are sites out there. There are air quotes, sources out there that will say stuff just to kind of make things up. Or they'll take something where a writer, and we'll do this sometimes Sometimes, as far as um, putting out information or putting out a story or a video that's just speculative, just about, hey, here's guys the Lakers could possibly trade for, right? Not even saying that it's a real rumor. Here's guys the Lakers could trade for, and here's how they could make it work like i find that can be a valuable exercise to go through just to take a look at what could be out there what hoops the lakers would have to jump through in order to make something happen and yet sometimes that'll get aggregated in a way that suggests that it's a real rumor that it's something legit that it's actually being discussed and next thing you know you fans disappointed that something didn't happen that was never really being talked about to begin with it was just being brought up as uh as for fun just to kind of speculate and kind of go through the exercise so Keep that in mind. There's a lot of rumors out there, but there's also a lot of people who will try to make up stuff that they present as real and it's not, and it's not, you'll see it all. You'll see it over on Instagram. People make graphics of, of rumors. They'll do Jersey swaps of players where the Lakers aren't even discussing getting landing that player. You're going to, you're going to see Luca in a Lakers Jersey and that's not even something that's, that's remotely possible. And people get all excited. And I get messages saying, is this really happening pump the brakes. Just remember during this time of year, there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of stuff for us to break down, but number one, take everything with a grain of salt. All right. Take it all with a grain of salt. Make sure you go back and you check who is the actual source. Sometimes when we get into aggregation, next thing you know, it's been aggregated three, four times and they're pulling something where the original source isn't even an actual rumor, right? As I was just talking about, you get the scenarios where somebody just goes through a speculative exercise and suddenly that gets t- gets turned into a real rumor that people think is actually happening. Follow it back and check to see, is this coming from Woj? Is it coming from Mark Stein? Is it coming from Chris Haynes? Is it coming from Sean? Is it coming from any of the newsbreakers that are out there? Now, occasionally other people will get stuff. Every once in a while, I hear little things here and there and I'll try to share what I do and what I don't. But in general, you stick to the main newsbreakers, you tend to be okay. But again, follow it back. Don't just take every single headline as absolute fact because this is the time of year where rumors fly. And I'm not even saying it's entirely the fault of people who are just making things up because, let's face it, this time of year, it behooves NBA teams to put out false information, to leak information that is not correct because draft season and free agency season – You don't want other teams knowing what's going on, what can happen. And this has happened in the past. If another team gets wind of what you're going to do, they can jump ahead of you in the draft and threaten to take your guy unless you give them something to move up. It has happened. Teams don't want their draft boards out there. Teams don't want their free agent plans out there. So instead they'll put out other information that contradicts that as a smokescreen. So it's not even necessarily the fault Of the people are reporting it. It's just this time of year. And again, I love it. I love all the rumors. I love all the speculation. I love all the endless possibilities. But if you're the type that looks at every single rumor and takes it as absolute fact, you need to stop, pump the brakes a little bit, take a breath and trace it back. Do the due diligence and find out. And again, I'm going to do everything I can here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel on the Lakers Nation podcast to keep everybody informed on what's legit and what is not, what we are actually hearing, what is actually going on out there. And if some stuff's going to pop up and we can say, well, we can't really verify that or we can verify this is a real thing, we're going to do everything we can to cut through it. But again, I would just urge everybody before you get all excited about, you know, seeing a jersey swap with, you know, player X in a Lakers jersey, that you trace it back and find out where the source is actually coming from. Are they actually trying to put out factual information or are they just looking for a bunch of clicks and to get people riled up? Because unfortunately, there is a lot of the latter out there. So just be careful this time of year. Now, again, that being said, I love this time of year. There's all kinds of possibilities that we're going to be breaking down all off season. So once again, make sure you do subscribe, turn on notifications. We'll keep you notified with everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. And of course, um, do everything we can to cut through that. And with that in mind, if you do get to a rumor that you think is legit, okay, you've heard, we've talked about it on, on our show here, there's other reputable shows as well that have talked about it. You've heard, uh, you've seen it's a tweet from Mark Stein. It's a tweet from Woj. It's from Shams, from whoever. Here's what I would urge you to do when you hear Keith Smith, and I say this all the time on the front office show, stop and think who benefits, who benefits from that? this information being out there. That will usually give you an idea of where the information is coming from, right? Those guys are not making stuff up just for fun. But they're hearing it from somewhere. Oftentimes it's an agent. Sometimes it's directly a player. Sometimes it's a team. It's, it's a team personnel, something like that. But you always want to stop and think who benefits. And that would give you an idea what lens the information that it's getting to you is coming from. What lens it's passing through to get to you. Is it coming from the team perspective? Is it coming from the perspective of a player, of an agent, of whoever? right? Those kinds of things can help you kind of cut through and read between the lines and figure out where information is coming from and can also help to explain why sometimes we hear something that contradicts other information, right? Because an agent may want out there some information, a team may want something totally different out there. So again, keep in mind, you get to a rumor, you hear it, it's legit, you know it's from a real source, stop and think, who benefits because that can give you an idea at least the angle of the information as we're trying to figure out again what's real what's not all of that cool all right and again i will talk about that more as we get closer and closer to the nba draft which my goodness is almost here june 22nd it's coming up fast i can't wait i'm so excited for this year's nba draft and then we've got free agency starting up right after this is going to be a blast i can't, i'm already putting together my ideal offseason for the Lakers you guys know I've done those in the past where I put together what the ideal offseason would look like I've done various iterations of it I can't wait I want to start doing those this coming week as well as soon as I get back here from my trip but lots of stuff to be excited about just keep in mind the rumors flying just be careful with all of it all right um, speaking of the draft let's get into that real quick I do want to talk about Anthony Davis I have some fan questions and comments to answer as well but let's start by talking about the Lakers. Draft picks. So the Lakers in this year's draft, they have 17 and they have 47. And I've been using my travel time uh, while I'm in the air and all that to get into a little further into who the Lakers could be looking at. And, you know, I had done kind of a cursory glance at draft picks during the season. I don't have a lot of time to do deep dives in the draft. I certainly don't have time to follow college basketball. So Again, full transparency, keep this in mind. There are draft experts who have been following these guys all year, who have been following these guys for multiple years, because that's what these guys do. Okay, so by no means am I trying to present myself as a draft expert here to you, okay? But I've been doing this for a long time. I've gone through and looked at many, many players over the years and just doing my initial analysis, particularly of the players that are potentially going to be available. Where the Lakers will be drafting. You know, we talk about guys like uh, Bilal Koulibaly, who uh, just put up another, another good, good game for uh, his French team. Um, he looks like an interesting prospect. Again, he's win- with Metropolitan's 92, with, you know, that guy you've probably heard of, Victor Weminyama. Uh, Derek Lively, I mean, Case and Wallace, my goodness, if he drops to the Lakers at 17, can you smash that, that select button quickly enough? Oh, that would be an amazing pickup. But but I mean, Kobe Bufkin, like he's he's really good too. I look at Jordan Hawkins and think about how he would be a perfect fit. Look, the bottom line where I'm landing with this draft is it's going to take a lot for me to pull the trigger and move off of one of these players because I think this draft does have a decent amount of depth to it. And I think it's a really, really interesting draft class with a lot of guys that the Lakers could turn to that would be excellent fits for them moving forward. And again, I've said this a bunch. I put this out there on Twitter the other day. said the Lakers scouting department has done such a phenomenal job over the years that whoever they pick, I'm just going to assume that's the guy. I'm going to assume that's the correct decision to make because the Lakers scouting department has shown consistently that they can find talent in drafts. Now people, look, I put it out there on Twitter and I get some people to fire back. What about what about Lonzo over Tatum? What about D'Angelo Russell over Devin Booker? First of all, nobody was taking Devin Booker over D'Angelo Russell in that draft. So I don't count that. You want to say uh, passing on Tatum to take Lonzo Ball? Sure. Yeah, in hindsight, that looks awful. No, No question. But every team is going to have that. Every team will have that, right? Mo Wagner over Mitchell Robinson. I wanted Mitchell Robinson. The Lakers took Mo Wagner. Didn't work out. But I'll tell you what. I also didn't want them to take Kyle Kuzma. That worked out great. That that was a fantastic pick. I thought there were other players the Lakers were going to go get. Back in the day, I wanted them to take Gerald Green over Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum helped them win a championship. Now, obviously Bynum's career didn't go as long as we wanted it to, but the Lakers have consistently shown they can find players in the draft. And again, I mean we just want to start rattling off names. Now you can argue they didn't do a great job maximizing on the return for some of that talent once they moved on from them. But heck, you get Julius Randle at seven. That ended up being a great pick. Brandon Ingram, right? Looks certainly take him over Ben Simmons now as the as the second pick, right? Can't argue. With that selection, sure, you can argue D'Lo shouldn't have been taken before Devin Booker, but nobody was taking Devin Booker before D'Lo in that draft. We can look at, again, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, who's in for a big payday this summer, probably going to come from the New York Knicks. Man, I wish the Lakers could get him back, Uh, even getting Thomas Bryant, Ivica Zubac, Larry Nance Jr. The Lakers have found so many rotation-level players in the draft, and now even outside of the draft, you look at what's going on with Austin Reeves, the talent he's got. I'm super high on Max Christie and I can't wait to see what he's got at summer league for us. This is going to be a lot of fun. And so ultimately, whoever the, if the Lakers pick Kobe Bufkin, great. I'm going to assume that is the best pick because so many of these guys are so close. When I look at them, I think, man, this guy could be a phenomenal fit. This guy could do this, this, and this for the Lakers. There's so many intriguing talents here. Wouldn't shock me. If they decide to move back, because I actually think there's a decent amount of depth. And if you could pick up a player and move back a few spots, maybe that would be a nice path forward. Again, it depends on what deals are out there, but there's actually a decent amount of depth here in this draft. And a lot of guys that I think could be really intriguing, but ultimately where I land is that if somebody wants 17 from the Lakers, it's going to cost them to get it. I think the Lakers can find a rotation level talent with this pick with 17 i think they can find something there that could be very very good and i think there's a lot a lot of talent that's going to be available i think they're going to find a late lottery caliber talent with that 17th pick i think that's going to be there for them to choose from and that is really really exciting that is really exciting so should they move that pick if it's me if i'm the lakers The only way I'm moving, and I think it's most likely they're going to keep it because of what I'm talking about here, because of the talent that's available. The only way I'm moving that pick is if I can get a clear starter, right? People are going to ask in a, when I open up the mailbag in just a bit, people are going to talk about Miles Turner. Okay. Look, if, if you can get Miles Turner, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening, right? Maybe you want to talk Alex Caruso. Okay. We're talking about one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. I'm listening at that point, but. It has to be a starting caliber player in my mind if I'm going to move that pick. And I know we can look at the Lakers and say there's a lot of incentive for them to move off this draft pick because you've got LeBron. By the way, I'm approaching this as though LeBron is coming back as though Anthony Davis, of course, is back, right? You're building your team around them. We haven't heard for sure as I'm recording this whether or not LeBron is coming back. That, That hasn't been announced with any certainty, but I'm assuming right now that he is. And should he come back? Well, yes, there is that incentive to why do you want a kid who's 19 to join this team when what you need is stuff to help LeBron win right now? I think that's fair. But there's so much value in the draft at this point that I think that you need to make sure that if you're going to move it, you're getting a true difference maker for this pick. I'm not moving this pick just to get like the eighth man ninth man it's not worth it not in this draft in some drafts sure in this draft uh uh-uh it's not worth it in this draft to move this pick and get a guy who is just maybe a fringe rotation player or something like that you need a bona fide starter in my mind if you're going to move this draft pick, you're probably not getting an all-star but if you can get a starter all right you have to listen you have to listen there but again I think there's a lot of talent here and it would make a lot of sense for the Lakers just to hang on to this pick, keep it, take somebody. And let's face it. At some point we're going to be in a post LeBron world at some point, And that time is coming sooner rather than later. This could be it for LeBron. This could be his last season with the Lakers and sure there is going to be the push to maximize LeBron. What could be his final year, right? That will probably be a thing, but you also look at what the Lakers have kind of quietly done. Look at their roster. Look at what they've done. D'Angelo Russell, it's in his mid-20s. Will he be back? I don't know. We'll see. But Rui Hachimura, mid-20s. Yeah, he's going to be back. Jared Vanderbilt, just turned 24. He's back. Austin Reeves, mid-20s. He's coming back. I have no doubt about that. So when you start looking at the pieces, the Lakers have added up. Does Cole Swider get there defensively and does he get into the mix as one of these young players that the Lakers have? What do they wind up doing with Mobamba? Do they keep his contract? Do they not? I'm leaning towards no, but that doesn't mean he's gone. You could always bring him back on a new cheaper deal. Even if you don't feel like paying him 10.3 million, can he be a young piece for the future? Potentially you've got a lot of guys that are really interesting players that are in their 20s, that can be part of not just the LeBron-era Lakers, but the next era of Lakers as well. And if you were to add a 17th pick, that could project out to being, let's say, a high-level starter. I don't want to say an all-star. I don't want to say a superstar. Like, it's great if you find that, of course. But you don't want to put that, that, uh, that bar to reach. But I think it's 17, it's very realistic to find a high-level starter. You add that to what you've already got, and the post-LeBron era starts to already look interesting. And this is something we're going to have to think more and more about as time goes on here. But ultimately, I think the Lakers are going to keep this pick unless they get the kind of offer that they simply can't turn down. And my goodness, there are some really interesting talents um, to choose from, I think, at 17. If anything, I'm looking at maybe moving back a little bit and seeing if i can pick up an additional asset even if it's you know if you move back and you can pick up i don't know like a late first from somebody if you could pick up uh an early second something like that if you can move back and you pick up a player i know sean's deal has been moved back 17 to 22 when you pick up royce o'neill from uh the nets yeah i would do that in the last little unless, unless somebody really slides and let's like case and wallace somehow falls and he's at 17. okay then i'm just taking i'm just taking case and wallace right i'm not not making that move, but otherwise if I can get like a Royce O'Neill, yeah, all day, every day, all day, no problem. I would do that because I think there is going to be a decent amount of depth here in this draft as well. But otherwise my top options probably just keep this pick and, uh, and continue to build this young group around LeBron and Anthony Davis. Speaking of AD, um, I put this out on Twitter uh, yesterday as I'm recording this. And said that Anthony Davis, you know, there's this sentiment out there that I've seen from a lot of Lakers fans.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. you need indeed
0: very vociferously, Anthony Davis is not a five, right? In all caps, Anthony Davis is not a five. And people are so upset that he's been playing the center position. And I understand it, right? There's a number of reasons why people will will point to, well, AD in the past has said he doesn't want to play center, right? Now he said he will do it when he has to, but it's like begrudgingly, right? It's like when you were a kid and your mom told you to clean your room, like you'll do it, but you're not excited about it. All right, fine, mom, I'll go clean my room. Fine, Coach Ham. I'll go play center position. Play the center spot, right? AD is willing to do it, but it's not something that he prefers to do to do all the time. So people will point to that and say, "See, he doesn't really want to do it. Why should you make him play center?" Uh, other people will say, and I, I've had people argue with me, say, "He's better as a four. He simply is better as a four The numbers don't necessarily back that up, but I think he can be good in either spot. He can be good as a five. He can be good as a four. But the numbers don't back up that he's suddenly, you know, he's really good as a five. But if he's a four, he's just a superstar. That's the numbers don't support that. But anecdotally, you could look at it and say, well, we saw the best out of AD when he started as a four. He still spent I'm talking about the 2019 2020 season. He spent 60 percent of his minutes that season at power forward. This is per cleaning the glass, 40 percent at center. He still played a lot of center that season. In fact, the Lakers closed most games with Anthony Davis at center. That was kind of their warriors esque death lineup was moving Anthony Davis to the center. Now the one argument that I think does hold water though, is that Anthony Davis holds up better is more prone to injury playing center. Now, He played power forward a bunch in 2020, 2021, that season with Marc Gasol. He played almost exclusively power forward and yet still got hurt, still missed like half the season that year due to injury. So I think though, even if we take aside like, because AD, let's face it, he gets injury prone. He's injury prone. It's just, it's the way he is. But even if we take that out, AD, just in terms of looking at things on paper, what makes sense? Yes, it makes sense that asking him to defend Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, even Yusuf Nurkic, Jonas Valanciunas, some of the the more power-based centers on a night-to-night basis, probably takes a toll. It probably matters to some degree, right? However, the absolute argument that Anthony Davis is not a five, I think it's just not correct. It's not accurate. You're taking away some of what makes Anthony Davis great. And that is his ability to play either position to play the four or play the five. And so I think ultimately where the Lakers need to land is not that Anthony Davis is a four. It's not that Anthony Davis is a five. It's to land in a place that allows you to be versatile, to allow him to do both. That's, what the true brilliance of Anthony Davis is, that you can play him as a four, you can play him as a five, right? And that allows you to react to what what is on the floor, what your opponent is presenting you with. For example, I don't know if you're beating the Warriors in round two if you run a true center out there next to Anthony Davis, depending on who it is. Maybe you do. But I think your best bet was going small against the Warriors. And it worked. AD at the five. Now, against Denver – Anthony Davis at center probably wasn't ideal. In fact, the Lakers went small game one and got smoked. Now that was even on paper, an insane decision to go small with three guards out there with LeBron and AD to start game one. And they got crushed. No surprise there. But what worked against Golden State, AD at the five, might not work against Denver, which was Anthony Davis also at the five. This Lakers team this past season, which by the way, this was a great season. This was phenomenal. This was better than we could have expected, especially given the way things started. But this Lakers group, one of the issues that I had, one of the things that I felt was a missed opportunity is Anthony Davis played 99% of his minutes at center. So to the people who say Anthony Davis is not a five, I disagree. I think he can be a five. He can be a four too. And that's the great thing. He can play either position. What I will agree with though is that he had to be a five. That shouldn't be the case. And so when I look at this Lakers roster build moving forward, when I look at what they're going to do this offseason, I think a key part to this is you need to get, whether it's via trade, whether it's via the draft, whether it's via free agency, you need to get a center that you are comfortable starting next to Anthony Davis and letting Anthony Davis be that power forward. But also you have to be comfortable to play Anthony Davis at the five if the situation calls for it. That's what the key is. The key is not Anthony Davis needs to be center. Anthony Davis needs to be power forward. No, locking him into either position is losing some of what makes him special, and that's the versatility that he presents you with. So what type of a five should the Lakers be looking for? Because we know LeBron can play the four when Anthony Davis is at the five. What type of a five should the Lakers be looking for? Well, that's the challenge. That's the challenge because Anthony Davis has not shot well from three since 2020. His numbers have steadily declined. His shot attempts have declined. He actually had an uptick in percentage from behind the arc this past season, but still not enough to where teams are going to worry about him if he's behind the three-point line. That's really what you need. You just need teams to care when that player is out there behind the line. Teams will let Anthony Davis bomb away from three if he's shooting 27% from deep. They're not going to defend him out there. Now, I did think that we saw an interesting wrinkle with him setting up for the corner threes and the Lakers actually encouraging him to shoot those towards the end of the playoffs. That was an interesting wrinkle. Maybe that's a path forward with him shooting the three, but I don't think you can count on it. I don't think you can count on Anthony Davis going back to being a 33% three-point shooter like he was in the 2019-2020 season. So if that's the case, look, if it happens, great. But if you can't count on it, that means whoever you get to play the five, either next to AD or off the bench behind AD, depending on your opponent, that player needs to be able to shoot the three. Because if you're going to put them on the floor with Anthony Davis, you need the floor spacing of at least one of them to be able to shoot the three. And right now, Anthony Davis isn't that guy. Marcus Gasol, that was the idea of putting Marcus Gasol out there on the floor with him. The Lakers got Mo Bamba. The Lakers had Thomas Bryant. And I think one of the failures of this coaching staff, and I'm not down on this coaching staff, I'm not down on Darvin Ham. I think he did over the course of the season, did just fine. He was awful on the Denver series, right? D'Angelo Russell was also awful on the Denver series. But if we take a step back and we look at the season as a whole, I think Darvin progressed. He got better and better and better as the season went on. That's what you want to see out of a first-year head coach. But nonetheless, I thought one of the failures of this coaching staff was never truly experimenting with Anthony Davis at the four alongside first Thomas Bryant and then Mo Bamba. That's part of the benefit of getting those guys, right? That's a big piece to the puzzle is Mo Bamba can shoot the three. Thomas Bryant can shoot the three. That means in theory, they can play with Anthony Davis on the floor and you can run two bigs out there, maybe not get crushed on the glass. Yes, you're going to give up something else. You're going to give up some of your perimeter defense because they're not the quickest-footed players that are out there. But nonetheless, those guys have the ability to do what you would want a center to do next to Anthony Davis, and we never really got to see it. That was certainly disappointing because could you imagine if they had gone into the series against Denver and had a playable big who could shoot the three and defend a five so that Anthony Davis doesn't have to. Next thing you know, Anthony Davis is defending Aaron Gordon. Changes things up a little bit, doesn't it? In terms of what his defensive responsibilities are and how much he's allowed to roam. And yet the Lakers weren't able to really go to that. Tristan Thompson got some minutes uh, in the series at the end in game four. But still, on paper, he's not even the perfect fit. If If you want him to be your backup big, fine. But in terms of a guy who can play with AD... They need to be able to shoot the three. That's what you need. So who are some players who can do that? In the free agent market, Brooke Lopez. I don't think they're going to have the money to get him. I think he's going to cost 16 to 20 million, somewhere in there. And for the Lakers, most likely best case we're looking at your full mid-level exception, which is $12.2 million. That's probably what we're going to be looking at for the Lakers. I think they're priced out on Brooke Lopez. Nas Reed. That's interesting, but I know a lot of teams are going to be after him. If you could somehow, some way, resuscitate the Miles Turner trade talks. Okay, that's interesting, right? I'm not saying you can I'm not saying the Pacers are an easy team for the Lakers to negotiate with. I'm not saying it's likely or to even expect it. But that's the type of player you're looking for. A Nas Reed, a Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner. I know there's this Bob, Bobby Portis rumors been going around. I don't buy those. But if you can get him, great. That's what you're looking for. And really you can let Anthony Davis be the five nominally on offense. We're just talking about defense. We're just talking about, is there somebody else out there who can take the defensive assignment of taking the big bruiser so that Anthony Davis doesn't have to. That's what you're looking for. And I think those guys would all fit the bill, but it's not easy. It's not easy to find a player who can play the five, can protect the rim and can shoot the three and is in the Lakers price range. It's tough. It's tough. But I think that's one of the key things the Lakers need to add this summer because that's what will allow Anthony Davis to play his true role. His true role is a five or a four. He can do either one depending on what the situation calls upon. Not many teams have that luxury of that kind of versatility, and the Lakers have it. They didn't take advantage of it this past season, and it was disappointing. So again, I don't buy this idea that Anthony Davis is simply not a five or Anthony Davis is simply not a four. There's people that are dividing up into either camp. It's so polarizing. I don't think that's where the truth lies. And I think that trying to force him into either position permanently is a mistake that doesn't allow you to take advantage of his versatility. That is the true power of having a player like Anthony Davis on your team. It's that he can play whatever the situation asks him to play. And that is what you want to do. But you can't do it unless you have a five on the roster that can play next to him. So that's one of my keys for the Lakers offseason. Finding that five that can play next to Anthony Davis and can Rob Palenka pull it off? All right. We are going to get into the mailbag in just a moment. But before we do, let me give a quick shout out to our sponsor. And that is Oakley. Oakley is changing the game. It's time to discover a whole new world. possibilities do you run do you golf do you train do you just want to look like your favorite athlete somebody like lamar jackson somebody like aaron jones someone like debo samuel the backbone of dynasty teams everywhere justin jefferson my goodness i'd love to get another opportunity to draft him then you need to get yourself a pair of oakley's today. they offer prism prism lens technology what is that you ask it's proprietary technology to oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do. So head on over to Oakley.com and do your own research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality sunglasses out there. Head over to Oakley.com for more information today. All right, let's get into the mailbag a little bit. Let's take some of the questions and comments from Lakers fans. Now, some of these are coming all the way back from the end of, of game four, um, but plenty to get into still with some of these. And again, we'll catch up on some of the more recent ones. But this one said, Trevor, you and Lakers Nation are the goats for real. Damn, what a season. It really was. What a, what a bounce back season for the Lakers. How much better was this from the fan perspective, from an enjoy, enjoyment perspective? than certainly the previous i called last season the most miserable in lakers history it was it was really that bad no draft pick to look forward to a bunch of old players who couldn't get it done a coach whose skill set didn't mesh with the teams the team looking lethargic night in night out what a difference this year the push they made post trade deadline the moves they made at the trade deadline and on top of all of that right you make big moves midseason. You add young players. You've got guys that you're excited about. Austin Reeves is taking his game to another level. LeBron's still doing things. He's breaking the scoring record at 38 years old. You've got Anthony Davis looking like the best defensive player in the NBA. And then you make the Western Conference Finals run. And what is the cherry on top of all of it? Yeah, look, it hurts that the Lakers got swept in the Western Conference Finals. But they still have a draft pick. Think about that. Think about that. They had this incredible run, this great season, and you had the 17th pick in the draft to look forward to. And guess what? The Pelicans didn't get to swap picks with you. All of this that we saw happen this season, and the Pelicans, who at one point were the one seed in the Western Conference, fell, which completely devalued the pick swap that they possessed from the Anthony Davis trade. Those Pelicans fans who were running around. Shouting to the heavens that the Lakers were going to gift them Victor Wembanyama because they were going to finish dead last in the West and all this was going to happen. No. When the dust settled, the Lakers finished with a better record than the Pelicans, which means that pick swap they had, it means nothing has zero value. And here we are talking about the great talent the Lakers can land with the 17th pick. What a season. What a season. Jaden Woods, bring back as many 2020 pieces as you can around Austin and Rui. The chemistry will click instantly. Danny, Alex, Dwight, Keith, I don't care. All right, Jaden. So I understand the sentiment and I agree with you in one sense, but also heavily disagree in another. So let me explain how I disagree first. So I disagree in that of the players you listed, Danny, Alex, Dwight, Keith, I think three of them, it's very questionable at best whether or not they are NBA players anymore, let alone like rotation NBA players. Dwight isn't Dwight from 2020 anymore. He's not. Markeith Morris, he's not the guy he was in 2020. These were guys who were all older anyway, towards the end of their NBA careers back in 2020. They're not the same guy today. Now, Alex Caruso, what I think he's 29 now. Different story, right? Younger, different story. You want to talk Contavious Caldwell Pope? Of course. KCP, sure. Right? If there was some way to get him back from Denver, I don't think that's happening. But the sense that i do so i disagree in terms of the specific names as far as the roster build though i agree with you i think the lakers building out a very 2020-esque roster is uh, is a smart way to go now with a couple of asterisks there a couple of, of caveats i think that You're not going to ask LeBron to be the point guard like he was in 2019, 2020 teams. I've seen fans say, just do it. Make LeBron the point guard. He doesn't want to do that every night. I don't think he can do that every night anymore. I don't think that's wise. It's going to burn him out. LeBron isn't the same as he was in the 2019, 2020 season. So I don't think that's wise to go that path in terms of you're just going to put a couple of three and D guards next to LeBron like we had with Danny Green and Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley earlier in the season. You're not going to do that right? You're not going to do LeBron and a couple of three and D guards that don't really act as ball handlers. No, you need guys who can handle the ball. Fortunately, Austin Reeves can do that. D'Angelo Russell, if he's back, can do that. But a roster build similar to 2020 would mean you have other options at center aside from Anthony Davis. And I do think, again, going back to the Anthony Davis conversation, you need to have guys who could shoot the three but ultimately, having a rim protector at the five, at least one, I mean, the Lakers in 2020, they had they had Dwight and JaVale McGee, you need at least one legit guy you can turn to night in, night out. And I think they thought that's what they were getting in Mobamba, and then injuries prevented that from happening. But again, we never got to see AD and Bamba side by side, and that's not all just because of injuries. So I agree with you that I think that style, that basic style of roster build, one that is very interchangeable, one that allows you to be adaptable to whatever challenge is being presented to you. You look at what the Lakers were able to do in the playoffs that year. They The style they played against Portland was different than the style they played against Houston, it was different than the style they played against Denver, it was different than the style they played against Miami. They made adjustments as the series went on, right against Denver. It was Dwight, you go get it jokic and, and rough him up for a while against houston it was hey we're going to go small Markieff, you're going to be our nominal five out there because you can spread the floor and you can chase on the perimeter too um against the miami heat in game six it was hey you know what alex caruso you're going to get into the mix and you're going to be on the floor for us to while i was to go a bit smaller so i think that idea is the best way to proceed so a 2020 style roster sign me up i'm all for it those specific pieces Nah, don't think, don't think that's the way to go. Uh, Snurf said, LeBron carried another team to the playoffs. LeBron is statistically better than MJ, but the Lakers couldn't step up to the pressure. It did feel like the Lakers, I don't know how much we want to put on, they ran out of gas. I really think, how different is that Denver series if you just get an average series out of D'Angelo Russell? How different does that look? I think significantly different. So we can put certainly some blame there, right? I think that's fair. D'Angelo Russell was was not able to step up in the moment. Um, but there were a number of players who weren't. You know, for that series, I felt like the Lakers had four players you could count on. It was Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, LeBron, and AD. And that was it. You had four players that you could really count on to give you big performances. And that was a far cry from where the Lakers were in the regular season when it felt like they had all this depth. So the Lakers couldn't step up to the pressure. Sure, some of that, I think there's a, a the ring of truth to some of that there. Estevan said maybe create a, a trade around this round this year's pick for Miles Turner. I don't know if the Pacers will do that. Turner is on a really nice contract, though, now that deal, that new deal he signed with the Pacers 21 million this season, 20 million next season. And that's it. I'll take it. And when I say this season, I mean the 2023, 2024 season. That is a really nice contract and would fit really well with this Lakers team. Um, I, the rumor is that there's some within the Lakers front office that are not sure about Miles Turner's fit long term with Anthony Davis, if that could really work. I'm more bullish on it. I think it would be really intriguing to put those two next to each other. I would probably do it if I had the opportunity to get that done. That said, if I'm the Pacers, I don't know if I'm parting with him for the seventeenth pick. I think I probably need more at which point maybe the Lakers say as that's, that's too much. So we'll see, but look, if there's a way to make it happen. Look, they had a chance to do it right before media day last year. Russ and both first for Miles Turner and Buddy Hield. The Lakers opted not to do that, waited till they got into the season to make the move they did. But, I mean, the interest was there from the Lakers. And I'm curious to see what that ultimately would look like. It could be great. It could be great. It could be the best defensive big duo in the NBA, period. That, to me, is something that you roll the dice on. If you could have the best defensive big pairing, in the whole league. That's the kind of thing that you take a chance on. Bernie said, Thanks, Trev slash Sean, our group therapists. Successful season. Some unwatchable games last year. Incredible season with flexibility. Run it back. Bernie, I do think they're going to run back quite a bit of this team to kind of keep that chemistry going forward. But um, but appreciate the, the shout out there. And yes, sometimes we do act like group therapists for frustrated Lakers fans. That definitely happens. Uh, this comment is asking about the calls in favor of the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. Again, this was coming in shortly after game four. I'm not going to dive in into it too much. Look, the Nuggets were the better team, right? And you guys have heard me. There's plenty of times where I uh, give some hell to the referees for their poor officiating. And I thought the officiating overall has been pretty poor on this past season. But I didn't feel like they changed the outcome of the game to make it so that Nuggets won it. And look, part of it too is LeBron played – all but four seconds of game four. Even if the Lakers won game four, game five is a slaughter, right? LeBron would have been exhausted. He had nothing left. He gave everything he had left in that game four. Game five, back in Denver, in altitude, the Lakers would have been crushed. Um, That would have been my projection. I, I would have favored Denver heavily. Uh, because they would have, I mean, they burnt LeBron out completely in Game Four, just trying to get one win. So it's not like I'm looking at this thinking, "Oh man, you know, the referees screwed the Lakers." If if they had just if they had just called things fairly in Game Four, then that would have pushed the Lakers to Game Five, and then Game Six, and then they would have won Game Seven, and that would have been it. Now I think the Lakers would have would have been bounced out in Game Five. And look, Denver was the better te- better team. I, I mean, there's no. I don't think the, the wrong team won the series or anything like that. Clearly, they swept the Lakers. Denver was the better team, period. Nathan said, thank you, Lakers Nation, for a great year. Absolute best podcast. Thank for all for all you guys do. Let's run it back. Thank you. Appreciate that, Nathan. And indeed, let's run it back. Let's do this again next year. Can't wait. Uh, by the way, I mentioned this. I put this out there on social a bunch, but Summer League coming up July 7th through 17th. Uh, I'll be out there July 7th. Through 12th, albeit Summer League. And we're doing a little contest. So if anybody wants to come join the show, like if you ever wanted to be on this show, this is your chance. Shoot me an email, Trevor at mediumlargela.com. Attach a video of yourself talking Lakers basketball. It can be two minutes, it can be five minutes, whatever you want it to be. Pick whatever topic you're most passionate about and send it to me. We're gonna pick one person um to join us in studio in Las Vegas. Uh, on either the 7th or 8th, we'll have you come in and hang out with myself, editor extraordinaire Daniel Starkan. We will record an episode of the Lakers Nation podcast and you'll be in it uh, for a segment with us. We'll go out to lunch afterwards and all that. So if you're already planning on being in Vegas for July 7th or 8th, um, shoot that over. We'll give it a few weeks and then we'll pick a winner. But again, I've got a bunch of entries already. And if you want to throw your, your hat in the ring here, just record yourself talking a little Lakers basketball. This is your opportunity to get into a professional recording studio on camera. Uh, that's why it has to be a video. You'll be on camera and be part of our show for a segment with us in Las Vegas. You get to come hang out with us. We'll go to lunch afterwards. We'll take you out. It'll be a good time. So again, if you've ever wanted to be on this show before, this is your opportunity to do it. Uh, Johnny, when is the time to move on from the LeBron AD duo I think it might be next summer. I think next summer when LeBron has a player option, AD has a player option, I think that might be the end. And we'll see. Look, a lot has to happen between now and then. By no means is that set in stone. But there's a lot that has to happen there. Both guys have player options next summer. LeBron has already talked about wanting to play with Bronny, and I don't fault him for that at all. So it's very possible that this coming season, Assuming, fingers crossed, LeBron plays. Again, as of this recording, we don't know anything official on that. But it's very possible that this is it for LeBron with the Lakers. Again, not set in stone. Maybe the Lakers draft Bronny in 2024. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that is very possible for LeBron to have one more year with the Lakers. And Aldo said, no disrespect, but Ham is an idiot. We found something that worked with Tristan Thompson on Jokic. Ham said, nope, AD won't play with another center. In the fourth uh, of most Denver was uh, points in the paint. Again, that goes back to one of my, one of the big things I was frustrated with this season was the Lakers not experimenting more with Anthony Davis next to a center, especially because you had guys specifically that can shoot the three, which would still provide the spacing on offense like Thomas Bryant, like Mo Bamba, and the Lakers didn't take advantage of it. That was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. I would like to see that fixed for next season. I'd like to see them play minutes with Anthony Davis at the four next to a true five. I think that would go a long way um, towards giving you the kind of flexibility that frankly you need. And it might even help Anthony Davis out in terms of his longevity, digital snowflake to wrap things up for us. suddenly the Trav, can we sign a shooter this off season, please? I sure hope so. Digital snowflake. I hope so. I hope so. You know, it's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy because the Lakers only have a limited amount of assets available. Now they could, and Ron Gutterman and I went over this all about a week ago. So if you really want an in-depth look at the Lakers cap situation and all the different options for them, check that out. But man um, in seasons past, it's been okay. They have their taxpayer mid level exception. They've got their veteran minimum and that's it. And we knew exactly what they had to work with. And there were no question marks this season. They could be a cap space team if they really want. I don't think so. But they could be a cap space team if they wanted to. They could be a team that could use their mid-level exception. They're a team that could use mid-level and biannual exception. They could be a team that only uses the taxpayer mid-level. And that's it. They could be a team that doesn't have any of those even. If they go above what's called what I'm calling the super tax. I think the most likely, it's probably that they're they are able to use their mid-level. I think that's the most likely outcome here. Ron has the taxpayer mid-level is the most likely. I'm going to say, I think if push came to shove and they had to pick between being able to use their taxpayer mid-level and keeping one or both of Beasley and Bamba or waiving both those guys and having use of the mid-level, I think they would waive both those guys and use their mid-level. That's where I fall, ultimately. I think they would do that. But in any event, The Lakers, in terms of adding a shooter, yeah, they need to add more shooting. And part of it, too, is the shooting they had didn't show up when they needed it, right? Troy Brown became unplayable in the playoffs. He was one of your best three-point shooters, 38% from deep. D'Angelo Russell, we know his struggles, 13% from three in the postseason. Um, Rui ended up shooting pretty well from three in the playoffs, but and he wasn't a good three-point shooter in the regular season. But Malik Beasley, who was supposed to be a sniper coming in for you, didn't work out. Wasn't playable in the postseason. So when we uh it wasn't playable at the end of the regular season either. So the Lakers added shooting, but they didn't add shooting that was versatile enough to play in the postseason. They didn't add shooting that was able to keep it going in the postseason. And so that's going to be critical. It's not just add shooting, it's add shooting that can also give you defense and that can play with consistency in the postseason. That is much harder to find than just shooting. You want to find shooting? Okay, that's not easy, but you can find shooters. But you want to add shooting that can also provide defense, which is what you need, that allows you to play in the in the playoffs? That's going to be a much, much stiffer challenge. And that's where I think that tax payment level is going to be important. That's where their moves um, along the margins with their better minimums will be important. I think that's where their overall roster build is going to be critical. Some guys to keep an eye on, Max Christie. Can he become part of the rotation? Because I think he has the potential to be a plus shooter from behind the arc. You look at Troy Brown, what happens with him? Again, he's young. I know he didn't show up in the playoffs this year. I still like him. If you can bring him back next season, particularly on a better minimum, fantastic. Bring him back because he can shoot the ball. I think there are some guys that you can find around the margins that'll help you out there. But as far as that big, uh, the biggest arrow in your quiver, the 12.2 million, the mid-level exception, assuming they have that, which is not a certainty, but if they have that, that's where you're hoping to find, ideally a big who can find some floor spacing. That's what you're looking for with that with that mid-level exception. If you can't get that, maybe a guard that can space the floor for you. But in any event, Lakers Nation, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, be back in studio for our next episode. We will have a live show coming up Monday evening, which is tonight for most of you who are listening to this and watching this. Um, should be live for that one. That will uh, happen at 8 o'clock Pacific time. So come join us for the Monday evening live show, 8 o'clock Pacific time, and we'll talk Lakers basketball and take your questions and comments directly. Till then, everybody, see you, and stay safe.